Welcome to church. There's a showward assembly, an exciting congregation of God's people, under the pastoral care of Dr. Dennis Eng and his amiable wife, Pastor I.T. Our mission is to raise champions who are passionate for God, winning in life and changing the world. Our vision is to be a growing community of worshippers and ministers from every tribe and tongue, taking the gospel of Jesus Christ wherever we go. Showward, raising champions. You have given me Luke chapter 12 verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Uh, men, I don't know which man is not concerned about inheritance. Men are always very particular about inheritance. In fact, in some cultures, we don't even allow the woman to have a say in it. All right? Inheritance becomes a main thing. So men have died fighting for inheritance. Some time ago when I was in primary school, we used to sing a song, Palace. My palace. I will die for my palace. Palace. I said that's stupidity. <laughs> die for palace? So if you die for your palace, where will you how will you live in it? It doesn't make sense. I was in the university when I read a novel called The Great Ponds by Lecce Amadi. And I saw the futility of communities fighting wars over a plot of land and killing everybody. And I said, what nonsense. Some time ago, I, there was this plot of land that I thought I had a right to. But someone said to me, no, that's, you can't take it. And I turned to my wife and I said, we don't need it. I don't even want an argument over it. Some men have died over an inheritance, over what they did not even acquire. Just because your father acquired it does not mean you should die for it. In fact, it's a sign of laziness to fight for an inheritance. It's a sign of laziness. Go make your own and bequeath it to your children. A good man leaves an inheritance for his children's children. So why can't you live for people? Why will you die fighting for the one your grandfather had? Are you still here? Some men who don't want to fight, it is their wife even pushing them. How your younger brother? How can your brother take the land? Ah, no, we should die for it. Die alone. One from the ground. You see, I said the word I had today was for the men. So in the first service, I couldn't even express myself. This is it. <laughs> Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance. If there are men here still fighting over inheritance, please withdraw the court case. Stop fighting. Are you with me? Stop fighting. You have sued your uncle. You have sued your brother. You have sued everybody in your village. It's time for peace. They call your younger brother and say, take the land. Say, ah, you, you're the one that said it. He said, I just said it. Take it. 
Bro, do you have another one? I said, the Lord will give me. The one that is bigger than the one that you are fighting over. God will give it to me. Are you still there? Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. The next verse. Jesus said to him, man who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you. Which is the same thing Jesus will say to some of us today. Lord, talk to my brother to forfeit the land to me. I call the Holy Ghost fire on my uncle over that plot of land. Father, anybody that crosses this boundary, may they die. You're now invoking the God of vengeance, not the word I worship. Jesus said, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Verse 15. Jesus said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. Beware of covetousness. What, ladies and gentlemen, is covetousness? An inordinate, unbridled, uncontrollable, insatiable appetite for more. When you have such a huge appetite that cannot be satisfied, looking for things when your life becomes a bottomless pit, that is covetousness. There's nothing you have that will satisfy you. Jesus said, take heed and beware of covetousness. I don't think there could be a better word for men. A lot of men live for things and define their lives based on what they have. And that's why Jesus said, for a man's life does not depend, does not consist, is not defined by the abundance of what he possesses. You're not a man because of the car you have. You're not a man because of the house you live in. No, that's not what makes you a man. Are you with me? That's not what makes you a man. Some people have mortgaged their souls. When you watch home video, you think it's a lie, it's a joke. It's not. There are people that are bowing down as men to strange gods because they feel for as long as they have money, everything is at their beck and call. Can I submit to you men that money is not everything? As a matter of fact, men, some of you know what I'm talking about. Money does not satisfy. The Bible says he who loves silver will not be satisfied with silver. He who loves gold will not be satisfied with gold. The, up, the hunger, I mean, what do you call it? Um, the labor of the hand, scripture says, is to the mouth, yet the appetite is not filled. You know, when you are beginning life, sometimes you tend to think that when you have more, when you become this, when you possess that, you'll be happy. Possessions don't make people happy. 
if you're not happy with little, I doubt if you'll be happy with much. Happiness is an inside job. Happiness is a choice. Happiness is a decision. And you can be happy at any level in your life. It's what you choose. If you don't choose happiness, even as a multi-billionaire, you'll be a very sad man. Men, am I talking to you? And sad men make impossible husbands. When a man is not happy, you can't please him. When a man is not happy, he becomes very cantankerous, very resentful. That's the kind of man that an unhappy man is. Don't judge your life based on what you have. Are you with me? Even if you're squatting, place value on yourself. Even if you're trekking, the fact that you're trekking doesn't make you inferior to any man. It doesn't make you inferior to anyone. If you don't have today, you will have tomorrow. That's why there is life. And that's why I love the word progress. Progress is incremental advancement in the area of your vision. Is every man here? Are you hearing me? A man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. Some men work too hard. Some men wake up before dawn, go to bed when everybody's gone. Scripture says, eating the bread of sorrow. Some men have ruined their marriage because of pursuing things. Some men have ruined their health because of seeking things. Some men have ruined their lives because of seeking things. Beloved, your life is not measured by things. Are you with me? Does that mean you shouldn't buy a car? Of course, that's not what I said. Does that mean you don't need a good job? That's not what I said. Does that mean that to be poor is what I'm preaching? That's not what I said. But please listen to this. Don't let what you have define you. Don't let what you have dictate your happiness. Don't let what you have dictate who you are. Because who you are is not a function of what you have. Hmm. Men, am I making sense to you? A man's life does not depend, is not defined by what he possesses. So beware of covetousness. By the way, you know what drives covetousness? Comparison. When you compare your car with another man's car, when you compare your job with another man's job, when you compare your salary with another man's salary, when you compare your wife with another man's wife, compare your children with another man's children, you're going to be in trouble. Do you know what scripture calls covetousness? Idolatry. That's what the Bible calls it. Idolatry means that you will not only seek things, but those things will become idols to you. You will worship at the altar of things. You do anything to have things because you think that that man is better. The car of this one is better. This job is better. This one is earning more. And you know, that is why I said it's in Sashabon. 
And if you depend on what you have, comparing yourself with others to be happy, ladies and gentlemen, I have bad news for you. You will never be happy because there will be somebody always with a better car. There will always be someone with a better job. There will be always be someone with more money. There will always be someone with a better salary. Are you still here? So quit comparing yourself with other people. Resign from the rat race. Rat race is when you enter into that race of life trying to play catch up to everybody around you. You work very hard because you want to be like that. You want to be like that. You want to be like that. No! That's not the way to go. That's an easy way to die. Take a break. Glory to God. I said glory to God. And I hope the women are hearing me. Because some of the covetousness are fed by the wives. Some men would probably live differently. But the wives put the fire. When the wife comes and says, hey, look at you, your mate, self. Even your classmates. See what your classmate has done. I am not my classmate. Leave me alone. Mm. One of the things that makes me so grateful that I married this woman. She has never put me under pressure to do what I cannot do. To give her what I do not have. I can't come and go and kill myself. <laughs> Wives, one way you can help your husband to live without covetousness is to understand his level and adjust to his level. And both of you can grow together. I am sure some of the men seated here have those kind of testimonies. When we came to Lagos, my wife and I have done all manner of things to survive. We have gone to Shudi. We used to sell ready, I mean, uh, we used to sell second-hand clothes. We, have, we used to sell, we would go to Yaba and buy an iron and send back home. What have we not done? <laughs> we have squatted in this town. My wife squatted at one place, I squatted at another one. And she didn't call me names. One day she was entering bus maybe Molue, and they pushed her down. She hit the ground, her skirt tore into two. She called me, and I said to her, don't worry, patch your skirt. You know, in this town, I'm going to buy you a car. Have I bought her a car? I have. <laughs> I said, patch the skirt. Don't worry yourself. Don't cry. Dry your tears. It's a matter of time. Beloved, I am saying wife, adjust to your husband's level. Don't feed his covetousness. Don't drive him to covetousness. A man's life. Don't ever compare your husband with another husband. Don't ever compare what you eat with what other families eat. Don't compare with your children. Some people have made their husbands to go borrow money to send their children to schools they can't afford. If you're borrowing to pay school fees, it means your children are going to the wrong school. Are you with me? Life is in stages. Men are in sizes. Understand your size. Are you with me? Understand your size. Sometime ago, somebody 
came to borrow school fees from me and said they were sending their children abroad. I said, if we give you the money, in fact, my pastor and I were told, if we arrange the money for you now, how will you pay second year? If you're borrowing house rent, when you, this one expires, how will you pay the next year? It means your benefactor will have to keep paying. And that's why I don't start what I cannot finish. So I will tell you, I'm so sorry, I won't pay the rent. I will pay for you to get a job. I will pay for you to train and get a skill. To pay your house rent is a bottomless pit. You won't be able to continue. Brother Chooks, this is the kind of pressure men come under. And one of the things that helps a man to survive and live well is the ability to know where he stops. Know where to draw the line. Come on, is somebody here once here now? So don't define yourself by the things you possess. Don't define yourself by money in your bank. Don't run after things thinking that it will give you satisfaction. As a matter of fact, I believe one of the greatest blessings that God can give to any man is called contentment. It's called what? Contentment. First Timothy chapter 6 verse 6 it says that godliness with contentment is profitable. It's great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. If you have clothes and raiment or whatever and food on your table, let us be content because the love of money is the root of all evil. And many have ruined their souls pursuing it. The love of money. Contentment does not mean you will not have or you will not have more. Contentment means coming to a point that you're happy with the blessing that you have already while seeking to have more. Get to a point that you're happy, you're satisfied, you find joy in what you have and the level where you are. Don't keep complaining forever about it. Hmm. But you know the other thing you find among people that are covetous is that they are unthankful. Thank you so much, choir, for that song. They are unthankful. Have you noticed that what that scripture said? In the parable that Jesus gave, Jesus said, a man's farmland yielded plentifully. Is that not what it says? A man's farmland yielded plentifully. If your farmland has yielded plentifully, you must see that it is God that is at work. While you have control over the number of seeds you sow and the quality of seeds you sow, you have no control over your harvest. People have taken powerful seeds, good seeds, and sown in the earth and they pick nothing out of it. It is God that has blessed you. If you have sown and then you can have a good harvest, you must be thankful. But covetous men because their eyes are everywhere they always have what to complain about they never feel satisfied and so they are unthankful men I'm admonishing you today admonish you, admonish you today please be thankful have a heart of gratitude whether it is for little or for much 
I don't think I could explain that more than the story that Mama just told now. Even if it is Gary, please drink it with gratitude. If you have ground nut, add to it. You have sugar, put it inside. If you have nothing, don't worry. It is enough. Thank God for it. You even have Gary to drink. Some people don't have. But covetous men don't ever see that. Let me get to the second point, second thing I want to speak about, which is also what has been mentioned in the talk show, and that is the matter of selfishness. Have you noticed that man that we read about, a very successful man, right? A man that had abundance of goods, his farmland had yielded. This was an agrarian society. He was the definition of a rich and comfortable man. It came to a point where he said, Ah, I have enough. I have enough. I don't need to do anything again. I don't need to work again. Did I read that? Okay, please let me read some more. Is this where I stop? Go. Go back to 16. Then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. Go on. And he thought within himself, saying, What shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops. Selfish men think only of themselves. You have no room to store. God has not given you to store. If you want to be in the agenda of God, you must be a channel, not a store. Hey, come on, did you hear what I just said? Don't be a reservoir of God's blessing. Don't be a store. Don't look for more stores. If you're a man that is thinking beyond yourself, looking beyond yourself, you will never come to a point where you think, I don't need any more. I have enough. I have no more place to store. And God is able to cause all grace to abound towards you. That you being sufficient in all things at all times will have an abundance for every good works. Men, let your heart be in the right place. Stand in your place of service. In your place of work. Let God bless the work of your hands. Not so that you build more stores, but so that you are bound in every good work. Are you with me? He said, I have enough. I, I have run out of store. Let's read some more. So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater and there I will store all my crops and my goods. Again, looking for where to store. I will do this. Never once did it turn to say, what would God have me do? If you ever ask God, he will tell you, go give to your neighbor. He will tell you, give to the needy. He will tell you, give to your family. You don't need a store. You need more people to bless. Glory to God. And I'm not talking only about men. As a matter of fact, it's difficult for you to be a successful man if you're not a liberal man. A stingy man cannot be a good man. Hello, are you with me? 
as a stingy man cannot be a good man. You want to know a good man? You'll find that uncles, aunties, cousins, nephews will always like to visit you. You have been in Lagos, nobody likes to come to your house. It's because you're not a good man. That does not mean you were not born on Sunday. That's not what we're talking about. It doesn't mean that you are not born again. No, 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 no. Every man, by nature of being a man, is wired to look beyond himself. You want to see the quality of a man? You want to see the success of a man? Don't look at what the man wears. You want to see the success of a man? Don't look at the car he drives. If you want to see the success of a man, begin by looking at his wife. Hello, are you with me? Look at who? The man's wife will show to you the kind of man he is. Some men, very stingy. Do you know some men have never bought their wives anything? They claim they have projects. My brother, projects will never finish. Some men have never taken their wives out all their lives. They are too busy. The African men. Go to an African shop if you're an African man. Are you still here? <laughs> Spencer, do you know some men? They can have two cars. The wife is not permitted to drive any. When they drive to work, they must lock, hide the key of the second one so that their wives will not touch. Some men have never, they've not bothered to teach their wives how to drive. Somehow, because the men themselves are Okada men, even though they have cars, so they don't feel embarrassed and ashamed that their wives are riding Okada. Keke, keke husbands. How can you have a car? I think that if you have one car, take the joy in asking madam to drive it. Be the one jumping Okada. That's the real man. You, you say manly man. That's the manly man. That's the manly man. By the way. Do you know it's my conviction. That the way a man treats his wife. Is evidence of his spirituality. And his maturity. There are many men that are still behaving like children. When you carry grudges with your wife for one week, you're a baby. You're a child. Abuse your wife, beat up your wife. I mean, there are some things you shouldn't even do. A man should have the comportment to be angry and manage it well. Bible says, that a man that controls his anger is stronger than the one that takes a city. So a man that likes to vent his anger and blow his top, abuse and beat up his wife is a small man. 
are you still here so a man must look beyond himself when I got this topic by the way it's good for us to commend our men I didn't choose this this theme I didn't choose it so they chose it because they are had yearns for something for a word from the Lord for direction but when I, I saw looking beyond yourself I thought immediately of the human anatomy when you look at a human being from head to toe you see that the eyes are positioned in such a way that if you look the way God wants you to look you have no choice but to look beyond yourself to make progress the eyes are not suspended upward and making it look downwards but the eyes are put in our sockets facing front so that you keep looking ahead if I have the habit of always admiring myself, always looking at myself, number one, I cannot see far. I'll be myopic. I can only see right down where I am. I'll be short-sighted. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying now? A man of vision cannot be looking down. But that's not all. I cannot make progress that way. To make progress, you must look beyond yourself. Otherwise, you bump into something, one thing or another. You have an accident in life. No wonder this man did not end well. The man we are reading about did not end well. Come on, let me show you. Let's go. Verse 19. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid off for many years. Take your ease, retire, go on a holiday, travel to Hawaii. Don't worry about anything. Eat, drink, and be merry. And there are some people that think like that. They think that just because they've made it, everything is over. But that's not correct. That's not true. You know, yesterday I shared that word with the men from First Samuel chapter 17. And I said, when David stepped up, to fight Goliath. He was carrying the hopes and the destinies of the entire nation. He was not fighting a personal battle. He was not seeking a personal glory. He was carrying the weight of responsibility to fight on behalf of the nation. So his victory was the victory of Israel. When a man wins, the family wins. When a man succeeds, the family succeeds. When a man excels, the family excels. That is why a man cannot afford to be lazy. Lazy men are a disgrace. A shame to their families. Bible says a man that cannot take care of his own is worse than an unbeliever. It's worse than an infidel. So a man cannot afford to wake up and play Ludo. Wake up and play chess. Wake up and, and watch Nollywood. Part one, part two, part three. Unless they pay you for it. If they pay you, that's a good occupation. Yes, they, they watch and they pay. Maybe you're a review specialist of Nollywood films. Are you with me? It can be somebody's job. <laughs> Are you getting me? Whenever they produce, they send to you to watch and they pay you. 
Probably something like maybe 100, 200, 300,000 per episode. Bro, buy fuel. Run generator. <laughs> but if they don't pay, you go to work. Are you with me? Please listen. And if you're part of this church, you will know what I'm about to say now. I've said it many times. If it makes you angry, there's nothing I can do. If it makes you angry, what to do is to get up and angrily do the right thing. It is wrong for your wife to be the, the one financing the family. Paying house rent. Paying children's school fees. Men, buying the food that you eat. And even buying your clothes. It is wrong. It does not matter how big your excuse is. It does not matter how legitimate it is. It doesn't matter how nice it sounds. It is wrong. That's an invasion of God's order. You can't have peace. And when you have such a man who has outsourced his life to his wife, he demands respect on top of it. And that's the kind of man is very powerful with scripture. Thou shall submit. Submit. That's the only scripture he knows. The one that says that don't give a, a man that does not walk, don't give him food. He has not seen it. He has not seen it. That same Bible says if you don't walk, you should not eat. But wife, submit to your husband. Wife, submit to in everything. In everything. And madam, open to that scripture also read it for him. <laughs> Is somebody still here? <laughs> if there is a downturn and that happens and it is a short term thing, there's nothing wrong with it. Did you hear what I just said? It is possible for the wife to hold forth for a few months until things stabilize and it does not make the woman the man and does not make the man any less of a man. I'm talking about a situation where the man has given up, thrown his hands in the air, and feels that there's nothing he can do about it. That is what I am speaking against. Men, I hope we are together. Yes, Let me say another thing regarding that. You see, when God wants to bless a family, I talked about David. Carrying the hopes and destinies of people. I, I said this yesterday, so I'm just repeating it for the sake of those that were not there. When God wants to bless a family, he just blesses one man. And if the man is not selfish, through him, God will bless the rest of the people. You may be the only one God has singled out to bless in your family. Maybe your brother is not anywhere. Maybe your sisters are not anywhere. Don't look for most thoughts. Channel the blessing their way. Please let me tell you that the value and the significance of a man is not in the clothes he wears, it's not in the car he drives, it's the impact he makes in the lives of other people. Are you able to help your relatives find a better life? Who has gone to school on your account? Who has found a job on your account? Who have you helped? By the way, you know, I've always said that every investment you make in the life of another person's child is an investment in the life and in the future of your own children. 
That's why I have said severally that my children can never be stranded. Because I have made adequate investment in the lives of people that have nothing to do with me. Please, I challenge the men. Be someone that God can use to better the lives of other people. Let your impact be felt. Come on, is somebody with me? But it's not only about family. Please listen to this. When God wants to bless a church, he can bless just one man. Hey, are you with me? He can bless just one man. Just one man. I have a friend who has a very beautiful church back in my state. That church was built by one man. From scratch to finish. They take general offering. But you know that church is never built with general offering. If you don't know, I tell you. There will be people who will write the checks sacrificially for the work to get done. Last week, I announced to you that we are at the extent of putting roof over this building. And I have said my deadline is end of October. But God gave us a miracle last weekend. Number one, by the time I got home, I realized that one of our brethren had transferred 500,000 naira into the building account. And that was awesome. If you want to clap, go ahead. I didn't need to run after him or to run after her. It was, it was actually a woman that did, but I, I believe it's actually an agreement between husband and wife. You know, It must be a family decision. I know how it works. <laughs> Glory to God. But I was here in church talking with the people that are going to do the fabrication of the steel, and I gave them a commitment. They asked me, we can deliver in four weeks if you will promise us that whenever we need the materials, they will be available. I said, I can promise you that. I said to them, listen, I don't stress myself over this work because God will pay the bills. Do you know, after I made that agreement with them, we transferred the first installment for the iron work and I was shocked that by the time they told me the balance and I went to my email to check, I discovered that one of my fathers and my mentors had transferred a million naira into a building account. Amen. Archbishop Joseph Alexander. Of course, some of us know Bishop Alexander, the one that came and proclaimed me um, Bishop-elect. So when I went to see him in New York, the first question he asked me is, when is your consecration? And I said, Archbishop, what I'm consecrating right now is the building. <laughs> he said, what do you mean? I said, the building, that's what is before me. I can't even think of anything right now until we do the building. And he said, I'm going to contribute a million dollars. I said, that's a good one. That's a good one. I said, thank you, sir. But don't let me digress. When God wants to bless a church, he can bless one man. The one man does not need to look for more stores. He doesn't need to open more bank accounts. He just needs to understand there must be a divine purpose for the wealth. And release it for the work of the kingdom. Can someone say Hallelujah. God does not bless you without a purpose for it. And the purpose may not be to buy another car. may not be to build another house. It might have to do with your divine assignment in life. It may have to do with where God has placed you. And if God has not blessed you yet, I trust him to bless you. Amen. For the sake of this work. In the mighty name of Jesus. So how does your success impact others? How does your success impact the church? How do you carry your responsibility? 
how does it bless the people around you by the way i i read a story that pastor austin posted on the men's platform how many people read that story men you read the story of the boy with the torn singlet right and the father with the torn singlet and when they got to talk now the boy saw the father wearing a torn singlet and then asked the father what why are you wearing torn singlet daddy and he said he held the boy by the shoulder and talked to him and said well my focus is not on myself it is not to make sure I wear nice clothes. I'm more interested in what you wear. Is your singlet torn? He said, no, daddy. He said, that is what is important. If my singlet is torn and your own is not torn, I am a success. It is a different bargain if your singlet is torn and my own is not torn. And I thought that was a powerful one. That was a powerful thing about responsibility. By the way, I'm going to say the last thing here, but let me pause here. I, I've had to reconcile men hear this i've had to reconcile many men with their children i remember preaching about my life in houston texas and a couple of people a number of people many people really came to the altar and some of them were weeping because i was preaching on men forgiving their fathers sometimes we fathers get so busy that we neglect our children we become so selfish, so self-centered, and we think that everything is about us. It must be about what we like. It must be our ways. And we disappoint our children. When I was much younger, my father was a young, vibrant school teacher. Everybody liked him. I've preached a lot about my father. Those days they used to employ him to come and and beat people for them so he was someone that was a toast of the village but i didn't enjoy my relationship with him i can't forget one day writing my father a letter and i said to my father that i was not sure he was my father can you imagine at my age how old was i i was probably about 13 14 and I'm not kidding. My father was so shocked that he thought that somebody must have coached me to write the letter. But I tell you to the truth, nobody did. I wrote it at 13, 14. I said to my father, I'm not sure you're my father. I said to him, even the son of a palm wine tapa is better than me. You cannot live the life you're living and I live the one I'm living. There must be something wrong. I don't think you're my father. I can remember those days I would take some money and then it was was it three I can't remember whether it was three naira or three kubo I think it was three kubo I would pay my way from my school to go and collect money from my father he would give me exactly the same transport fare to go back to school and would tell me he was educated by his own mother and I should go to my mother. My father and I are the best of friends, but that is because I chose to forgive him. Don't tell that line. Don't. Don't ever abandon your children to be raised by your wife. Don't have a good life and your children are struggling. 
some of them may not be able to forgive you. There are some men that live in regret at old age. Some men neglect their family until it's too late. By the time they come back, it's too late. Don't go that path. Are you with me? Some time ago, I gave you a seed of wisdom. Sometimes you buy clothes for your children and you don't show your face. I like what you said, that your children always see what you do and they thank you. That's fantastic. Some men, they pay the bills only through their wives and their children do not know that they are involved at all. Their children think it is mommy that is doing everything. Mommy bought me shoe. Mommy bought me a new dress. Mommy paid my fees. But the money came from you. That's a mistake. Let your child know you paid. The other day I had to explain to my son. I said, the shoe mommy bought for you, I sent the money. <laughs> Did you know? Say, I didn't know. I said, I'm telling you. That's why I want you to know. glory to God. Are you still here? Make sure. Uh, please, before I forget this, this is very important. If you have a child out of wedlock, send for him. Send for her. That's your child. That's your blood. It doesn't matter whether you marry the mother. It doesn't matter what issues you had with the mother. If you have a child seated here and your part of this church under my teaching it does not matter what they call the sin you committed that's your child don't ever walk away from a child you fathered and feel it was a mistake no child is ever a mistake you are the mistake you made the mistake the parents made a blunder but the child is of God get your child are you with me there's anyone here you have a child that you have not spoken with make the call today you have a child that you felt eh, eh, when we were in school it doesn't matter that was not a certificate you went for but you got this one so go for it <laughs> glory to Jesus is someone blessed by the things I'm teaching now, if you're not blessed, that's your business. I am blessed myself. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to end. I'm going to end. Verse 21, Jesus said that the lot of the man who, is, who lays treasures for himself. By the way, maybe I should just continue reading till I get there. Get, get, get me to where I stopped last. <laughs> and I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Verse 20. But God said to him, Fool. Every man who is selfish is a fool. A man who cannot look beyond himself is a fool. And I didn't call you that. I'm reading the Bible. So don't get angry with me. Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? Oh, come on, isn't that, that a weariness of the flesh? Isn't that a labor in futility? That, that's, that's why 
the, the next point I'm going to make is how you can be rich towards God and pass on a good spiritual heritage to your children. And I made that point yesterday, right? Now, but when you are not sure of the spiritual foundation of your children, you can walk and lay up wealth and they'll squander it in a useless lifestyle overnight and you will have labored in vain. Please, are you with me? It is horrible for a man to work hard, starve himself, discipline himself, make sacrifices, and yet your useless son, if you don't disciple him, if he's not born again, if he does not have the spirit of God, will come and squander it. And when you don't give God a place, that's what Jesus said. You'll die like that fool. You'll die like that fool. Many people have worked so hard and they did not live long enough to enjoy what they worked for. But men, God will grant you long life to enjoy the work of your hands. I say God will give you long life to enjoy the work of your hands in the mighty name of Jesus. So verse 21 Say so is he who lays up treasures for himself and is not rich towards God. Men, in all your pursuit, let your relationship with God be number one. Be rich towards God. A man's life does not consist in the abundance of what he possesses. So, what does it consist of? Your relationship with God. True riches. They are not in Naira and Kobo. They proceed from the riches of his grace. Let your relationship with God, men, be number one. Please, are you me? Jesus said, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things the Gentiles seek will be added to you. But we are seeking things that others are seeking and some men are neglecting the kingdom. You know you can be a member of this church and worship with us for 10 years and you're not even born again. You may pick all the right slogans. We may call you brother. Some men come in here because they came with their they are girlfriends, they are living lover. We don't even know. We just call them husband and wife. Give them uh, Isiago and they wear. <laughs> but you know you're not properly married. You know, self, you're, the baby you're holding, self, you're not married. So before we find out, go and do the right thing. <laughs> Abi, eh, otherwise we collect Isiago. <laughs> value, oh come on, are you with me? On your relationship with God. A man is the priest and the prophet of his home. And I hope you understand that. Before I become your pastor, you're the first pastor of your wife. Are you with me? And the first pastor of your children. If you neglect your spiritual assignment, God will hold you accountable. Some men are too busy. They can't even pray with their wives. Some men are too busy. They can't pray for their children and with their children. Some men are too busy. 
they have lost spiritual direction. You must provide leadership. Leadership lies with the man, not the woman. There's one of my friends, great servant of God. He's doing a great work now. Fantastic church. Different. I don't want to mention his name because we are online. Even if I do, it's not a bad thing I'm about to say. But you know, he got born again through his wife. It was his wife that ministered to him to get saved. But that does not mean that he abdicates his spiritual leadership for his wife. He is still the husband and he's still the leader of that home and he takes spiritual responsibility over the family. Please, are you with me? Take your place as a man. Be rich in God. You think you're too busy to read scripture? That's why you can't answer your child's basic questions about God. And if you have smart children, they will shame you. They will pepper you. They will pepper you because the kind of questions you'll be going to concordance, you won't find it. <laughs> Read the Bible so that when your son in the car is asking you something, you will answer. You know, say, hey, we keep quiet. I don't know. You ask too many questions. That's because you don't know. You don't know. And soon the boy will find out. I say, if you want anything to know about God, don't ask daddy. He doesn't know. <laughs> ask mommy. <laughs> oh, Jesus of Nazareth. <laughs> oh, Lord. So, men, make time. Read scripture. You know, there is, there is so much you cannot understand about the Bible unless someone teaches you. Unless someone teaches you. That's why the Ethiopian, you know, say, how do I understand? Except someone teach me. That's why the Bible didn't say faith comes by reading. Faith comes by hearing. And I don't understand men that don't go to church. When it's time to go to church, you're very busy. You watch uh, one thing or another. Watch um, man, you watch Arsenal. Watch uh, this. Just with your friend. Go to visit other people. Do you know your children are also looking? Your children, listen. The greatest legacy you can pass on to your children is not Naira and Kobo. It's not a house. It's not a car. It's a spiritual foundation in God. Please, are you with me? I read to the men, Genesis chapter 26, how Isaac in Gera, in the time of famine, had God speak to him and said, don't go to Egypt. Stay in this land. I'm going to be with you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to perform the oath I swore to your father. Not the oath I swore to you, but the oath I swore to your father. I have been young. I've been, and now I'm old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken. No, his seed, his seed, back bread. The Bible is very clear about that. The seed of the righteous, the seed of the righteous shall be mighty upon the earth. The generation of the upright shall be blessed. Psalm 112 verse 2. You'll do yourself a great good if you can pass on a good spiritual heritage to your children. That is more than Naira and Kubo. That's more than pounds, sterling, and dollars. Glory to God. Men, labor hard at it. 
seek to influence your children. Seek to position your children. We live an, in an age that the devil is competing for our children. Satan is competing for our children. If the man is absent in his life, that's a big gap. Is somebody hearing me? Man, I have spoken to you today from my heart. And I believe that the Lord will cause you to remember the things I have said today and even more. Is someone blessed? The men did preach this. I think it was even Brother Chooks that very eloquently, very brilliantly presented it. I should have said, let me forget it, but you know, I want to throw my pastoral weight behind that and emphasize it. I look at that scripture and I found that there was one thing missing. Apart from the man's covetousness, apart from the man's greed, and apart from the man's selfishness, the man did not have a wife. Did you notice the man was not married? If he was not, if he was married, it's not stated there. You know, was he shot his wife out of his life? And there are some men that do that, even when they are married. They shut their wives out of their lives. Their wives don't have a say. And your wife cannot be involved with your life unless you permit it. Are you with me? God has created help for every man in the form of a woman. I have said, and listen to me men. Your wife can tell you in one minute what you may fast for seven days and seven nights to hear from God. Did you hear what I just said? And it's got nothing to do with whether you think your wife is spiritual or not. This is why God made her. Your wife can give you counsel that you can go to redemption camp for two weeks and you're not even able to hear. Listen. There is no wife, I mean, there is no husband who works as a team with his wife that does not make progress. Not one. There is no man who does, who works as a team with his wife and doesn't make progress. But men that are stiff naked, selfish, and proud, they think the wife knows nothing and say they don't enlist her help. That's a mistake. Do you know that even a wicked man can be redeemed by the goodness of his wife? I don't think you heard me. Even a useless man. That's actually why a lot of people are excited about Abigail in the Bible. I have said it before that Abigail is not my heroine. I don't like what Abigail did. Abigail abandoned the husband called him son of Belial went and appeased David and got married to him when the husband died that didn't look like a good act to me you may not agree but that's the way I see it I actually think that she had everything it took to turn around the life and the destiny of Nepal in my prophet in my, in my place they say there's a prophet that says even a madman has someone he loves even a madman. But I'm talking to men now. I say we must be open. 
we must see our wives as partners. We don't see them as things and useless people and we don't care about what they think. We don't care about what they say. No. You need to get help. There's a scripture that has made a lot of sense to me. I, I, I may not. It's First Corinthians chapter 7. And it says that if you are a Christian and you're a woman and you're married to an unbeliever, let's say as a man, I think it starts with a man, said you're married to a wife who is not born again, who is an unbeliever, and she's happy to dwell with you, say don't send her away. And says if you're a woman and your husband is an unbeliever, a useless and wicked man, but he likes you, say live with him. Says who knows that you will save your husband because the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband he says if not so your children will be unholy but right now they are holy that's what the bible says what's my point my point is that if you give your wife a chance, she can be the redeeming future in your life. I, I love what Osinachi said. Osinachi said ah, that uh, for him, there are some things he wouldn't do, but the wife is the wife. He would, maybe if you leave him, he would even fight with the policeman. No, not just uh, arguing, if you leave him. But the wife will say, I know it's not a way to talk to them. But you know, it is because. Osinachi loves his wife and has respect for her. That is why he listens. If he did not, he will keep. In fact, when your wife suggests the first time, the second time, and you abuse her the third time, she will never say anything again to you. If you like, when they beat you, he will go and boil hot water and, and do the wound, but there's nothing she can do. I think I should not preach again. Stand up and let's pray. <laughs> Will you celebrate Jesus if you are blessed? Thank you, Father. Lift up your hands and bless God. Bless God. Thank you. Show World Assembly is a Bible teaching ministry operating at different locations. Every Sunday by 9 a.m., we experience supernatural encounter with God as we worship Him and drink from the fountain of His Word. Every Thursday, we meet at 6 p.m. for teaching, prayer, and breaking of bread. If you need a church that will equip you to grow in the faith, empower you to succeed in life, and give you a platform to serve the Lord, welcome to Shoreward Assembly. To learn more about us, visit shorewardassembly.org. Remember, with God, all things are possible. So expect a miracle today. And when you're coming for the next service, bring a friend along. Showward, Raising Champions.